the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to your own little piece of football in history. This is the 442 Insider podcast and this is the last podcast of Trevor Trahan, soon to be former editor of 442. Yep. Show 141, I believe it is as well. 14, have you been on all of them? Who would have, well yeah, other than the odd one I missed from holiday or whatever, but from that f- first pod, well pod zero, the trial pod with Colin. Hello! <laughs> former host. All the way through. Incredible. Brilliant. Also joining us for this uh, memorable occasion, Kevin Ayres, online editor. Welcome, mate. Hello, mate. Right, let's get into it. Plenty to talk about as the uh, season reaches its climax. Who uh, misses? Um, Newcastle Jets, one all. Left it late. 90 minute equaliser from Nikolai Topper-Stanley um, to uh, get back to parity with the Gold Coast. Trev, well, what do you make of this? Well, I mean, even a draw was a, a big surprise result, wasn't it, really? How, how well the Jets are going at home and um, the rather obvious problems that Gold Coast have had. And for Gold Coast to run it that close to, to picking up a win, um, I mean, the, the Jets could have... I mean, they're still looking very good for the finals and it would be a massive surprise if they slipped out. Um, they would have, all, you know, secured finals football with a win there. So, a bizarre result, really, wasn't it? Kev, is, is the Gold Coast sort of form and picking up points like this with the squad that they're putting out these days, is that a sign that, you know, third to sixth is pretty is pretty average in the A League? As in, you know, we've got two sides that are that are not head and shoulders but you know, on their day significantly better and I wouldn't necessarily say third to six are weak as such. Uh, I think those two are just head and shoulders above the rest. And to be honest, Mariners are slipping badly. Uh, we'll come to that later, I'm sure. Uh, but I think the thing with Gold Coast at the moment is obviously you've got 11 players there that are playing for the futures and trying to uh, the shop. They're in a shop window to showcase themselves uh, and are putting in the extra effort. And also, I think there's a lot to be said for Mike Mulvey's efforts. Uh, in the coaching role, uh, Miron was uh, eccentric in his, his approach to uh, tactics and so forth. Mulvey's a bit more conventional and possibly getting more out of the lines as a result. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think Gold Coast United have some very, very talented youngsters there. Uh, and they were paying $8 for the win. I had a sneaky 10 bucks on them. Oh, that hurts. And once again, I don't know how many times this season I have been denied a decent pair in the last three minutes of a match Listen, especially, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare for reporting purposes and gambling purposes isn't Absolutely. it in the league there always seems to be a late goal alright Melbourne Hart uh, drew one all Wellington Phoenix Hart took the lead um, before uh, Paul Eiffel strike uh, Eli Babal uh, put them in front uh, continuing his good form this season uh, before Eiffel levelled with a rifle <laughs> on 80th minute <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've said... favourite, Paul Eiffel, coming good just at the right time of the season. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's still called the Paul Eiffel Player of the Year Award, isn't it, after he'd done a 2am interview to, to talk about him winning. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's integral to Wellington's chances of, of how they're going to go in the final and the fact that they're able to pick up points away from home now. Um, you know, th- that sort of niggling injuries he had at the start, they just looked like a completely different side as soon as he came in. Um, but a sort of result you'd expect, wouldn't you? Hart, you know, Hart look like they're going to do enough now to to make the finals, and you know, the, the same for Wellington. 
Well, the only team with more uh, at heart have drawn eight games this season. Um, lost eight, won nine. Um, mini hissy fit from Fred when he substituted. Did you say that? Yeah, you, you never like. Well, so you never like to see that. I mean, it often looks worse than it is because they clear the air straight after and just get on with it. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've seen I've seen worse hissy fits from players though in terms of you know when they've got. To Kev Ado ever you know throw his pen down when you sort of like change his opening paragraph and uh, there is the, the very one terse one word emails I think occasionally fine <laughs> wither um, preferred my version <laughs> the um, the thing with Hart though is I think you can trace the change in fortunes uh, to two things one Fred being injured and two uh, them announcing that Van Chip's leaving at the end of the season uh, since then the form slipped badly and they've never really recovered from it Hart uh, Hart Fred is central to Hart, yeah. uh, and you can understand his uh, frustration whenever he's taken off because you know you're running up the white flag. The results prove it. At best, you're going to get a, a draw, uh, I think. And yeah, I worry for their their finals hopes. They deserve <coughs> the finals, but I'm not convinced they're necessarily going to make it at the moment. Okay, well the big winners uh, from Newcastle and Hearts' inability to win at home were Sydney FC, who uh, picked up a 1-0 win, courtesy of a penalty from Carl Kissel in front of the Cove, uh, against Melbourne Victory, uh, which uh, put them right back in finals contentions, and actually with the results going the way they did in the other game, it's now totally in Sydney's hands whether they make the finals or not. They win their last two games, they are in the finals, um, because they play Melbourne Heart and the Newcastle Jets, so... Massive win. Um, obviously, much was made on Fox Sports about the inept sort of nature of the Melbourne victory performance. I was watching it. Admittedly, I'd, I'd had a couple of larkers, but I didn't think it was that bad. No, I, I, like, I thought that was completely that's over the, the top worst reaction. performance I've ever seen, and they're not fit to wear the shirt. No, I actually thought Melbourne played some decent stuff in I've, parts. We I've, know their their defence has been woeful. Seen far far worse performances. From yeah. Both from them and other teams, many, many times. Uh, you know, I'm really not quite sure where people were coming from. That's just jumping on the bandwagon to hit victory when they're down, to be honest. It wasn't a hugely impressive performance by any manner of means, but I've seen worse. Good, I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was well, like, I was watching it and then and I was like, hang on a minute, did I? Was I that drunk? I'm telling you, I was. I had like three beers. I, didn't, I just, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was totally over the top. I, I think that was a, a bit of emotional analysis, wasn't it? That annoyed that victory hadn't really got going after the players, the team that got together, and you know, Sydney fans will disagree, but you know, partial viewers like us, impartial viewers like us, kind of want a good victory team because they bring big crowds, and you know, everyone wants to beat them. So I, I think it was the analysis was based on the frustration that the victory team haven't kicked on in the way they should have. Yeah, all right. Brisbane uh, drew one all with Adelaide. Uh, came from behind to draw. Vessart uh, Barisha on target again um, to uh, to pull them back after uh, Ian Ramsey had given Adelaide a 14th minute lead. Um, in the in the wash up with the game that followed, probably not a bad point um, because obviously let's talk about the two games together. Glory uh, beat Central Coast Mariners due to uh, a Matt Ryan mistake, uncharacteristic mistake from him this season. He's been in excellent form. Mm. Um, so where does this leave us with the top two? Two points between them now, two games to go. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think Brisbane are kicking themselves and not out in front from the, the missed penalty against Hart in the last minute. And, and in this game, they had the opportunities to win it. 
um, a few times out, I think it was Matt Smith was talking after the game, and I think he said it could have been another 7-1 if, if we were actually, you know, finishing properly. Um, so the, 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 I, I know Mariners have still got to go away to Wellington, I think, which which will easily be there. That's the last game of the season. Yeah, that will easily be their sort of toughest game. But I sort of felt that these next two games where sorry, the last two games. Um, I expected Brisbane to go ahead because they're much easier games and the Mariners had to go away to Perth so I think they've let a little bit of the opportunity slip but the way the Mariners are playing it's difficult to see where they're going to pick up many points between now and the end of the season anyway Yeah and from where we were five, six weeks ago Kev this is a bit of a choke for the Mariners isn't it? Oh it's a massive choke they've just gone backwards you know uh, top gear in reverse Is this um, you know obviously Asian Champions League is only really becoming a factor now I mean their sort of wobble was it was wobbling before that um, <laughs> it, is this just you know, is, is the Asian Champions League adding to it as well I think it's adding to it slightly to a certain extent but really I think it all goes back to two key events for the Mariners losing Matt Simon uh, and the uh, the Oli Roos camp as well uh, it was interesting last night at the Oli Roos that Amini came off at half time uh, and I was saying to uh, off the air that uh, Arnie was in the crowd uh, and I'm almost certain that he was entirely responsible for making sure Romini came off uh, to preserve him for the weekend and Rogic was brought on to uh, give him a run out uh, in preparation too Um, but you know they're in reserve they're in reverse they don't have uh, they've still to find that goal scorer uh, to replace Matt Simon and I'm seriously concerned for the, the top two aspirations. I mean, it's not even looking like it's a title tilt anymore. It's uh, it's keeping in that top two. They're still two points clear, though. Two points clear with two games to go. And but they're five points clear of Perth. Fully in reverse. They're five points clear of Perth. So Perth would have to win both their games and Mariners lose both their games for them to slip out of the top two. And given on the form that both clubs are in, I don't think that's out of the question at all. OK. I mean, Perth have probably got... Yeah, they've got Gold Coast away and Melbourne Victory at home. Two teams enough to play for. So. Two teams that I can see them beating Ooh, quite easily. That'd be interesting, a grand final in the West. Yep. That'd I'd love that. That'd be great. That we'll pile over there. And it's it'd be nice to get a bit of sun after <laughs> this crap summer. But and if you think of the crap, <coughs> pardon me, the crap start that Perth had to the season, how close they could be to topping the table if they yeah. hadn't destroyed uh, the first half dozen games or the games uh, three to eight uh, they're really it's an impressive turnaround and it's what they deserve because the squad is excellent it's a brilliant squad Perth yeah it's well also, I mean, the fact that Brisbane could lose five games on the bounce and still be where they are yeah, you know, yeah. is, uh, is tantamount to that alright that is it I mean let's just uh, quickly run through the ladder as we, we've been alluding to it throughout and the Mariners are top everyone's played 25 games so two games to go Mariners top on 45 points, Brisbane second on 43, Perth Glory and Wellington um, both on 40 points. Let's not discount Wellington for those calculations, given that Wellington um, go away to Melbourne this week and then host the Mariners in the last game of the season, which could be an absolute, absolutely pivotal game yep. for both clubs. Um, Melbourne Heart and Newcastle Jets round out the finals positions, both on 35 points. Um, but Sydney FC are a point behind them on 34 and crucially play both of those teams in the next two weeks. So if they uh, win both of those games, they will be in the final and probably could, maybe could get there if they win one of them. The teams that are now pretty much out of contention, Melbourne Victory, uh, Adelaide definitely are on Gold Coast, Wooden Spooners. Will Victory even get eighth place? You know, 
<laughs> two games remaining. Might end up oh. finishing ninth. I mean, first season flashback. Yeah, second last Look team. Look what happened in the second season. I mean, let's just talk on that before we wrap up. Around. Obviously, the talk coming out. I don't think it's been made official as it yet with Jim Majilson, but no. the the talk coming out of the camp is that he's about to get a two year deal. Um, what do we think about that? Yeah, good. I'm I'm, I'm pleased he's going to get the chance to sort of you know bring in his own players. Um, a whole closed season to sort of bed in the philosophy he wants them to play. You know, he's well qualified. I mean, he certainly bought himself some time because he's slightly media savvy. You know, I mean, if you read uh, Lynchy's column in the magazine last month, he was singing his praises that, especially after having you know the the um, the managers that Victory have had over the years, that even though you know only done a great job, I don't think he bowled over the press did he with his charisma and that it was the same when uh, you know Mehmet was in so Magilton's bought himself some time on, on that front and often happens people like Terry Venables would always get more time because of it and Harry Redknapp so yeah I'm you know falling for it perhaps but I'm, Kev, I'm, I'm pleased he's got time one win in ten probably isn't you know, it's, there's not, not much a, on the pitch to it, be it's not an impressive record at all to be honest <coughs> um, it, it's a difficult one to call. And I, to be honest, I don't envy the victory board with this one. The cut between a rock and a hard place. Do, do they go for the third manager in a year, uh, which is never a good advert for any club or uh, a side? Um, or do they, they give uh, Magilton a, a decent run at things? And I think they've, they've got to give Magilton a run at things. Um, it's an interesting point that was being made during the week that uh, two managers can't both be wrong. Uh, it's got to be, it's down to the squad at victory that's, that's right. causing the problems. Yeah. Yeah. However, I, if you take that argument and apply it to Adelaide, I don't think it applies. I think Adelaide's squad is strong, it is balanced, it, it's just two managers that have failed to get them to fire properly. So I'm not altogether convinced that that's a, a necessary argument. There is a, a need for a clean-out, though, at victory. Yeah, Magil- I, think that, I think that is without question. And it's either Magilton's going to have to do that or somebody else. Yeah. And then you'd argue that somebody who's had 10 games to get to know the players is probably going to be in a better position to do that. Exactly. And I th- but I think it's going to be ugly. Uh, I can see a backlash coming from the, the fans just in the last couple of days over Tom Pondelyag. Uh, being released, uh, a player who has had minimal impact this season whatsoever, uh, and had a few issues last season too. Yet, you know, fans are quite hurt to see him go without giving a send off and without any acclaim. Uh, and I think, you know, the uh, it's going to get worse for them. They're going to see a lot of familiar faces, people who've been pivotal to to victories success and over the past seven campaigns like Archie Thompson and Danny Alsop are going to be leaving the club uh, and it's going to be ugly, it's going to be a whole I can see it being a whole new look victory next season and it could take time to bed down and I'm not sure Majilton's going to get too much patience next season One good thing that the A-League <coughs> does have is a long off season to get it right and get them in and get them training sure. So, um, alright that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to look at some of the news headlines on our website, au.442.com. The April issue of 442 magazine is on sale now. It's a special edition on the toughest job in football, the coach. We profile 40 years of Socceroo coaches, analyze Man United 70-year-old Alex Ferguson, take the FFA, AFC B license coaching course, plus Archie Thompson and Mark Milligan model the new Socceroos away jersey. 442 magazine. Get it at newsstands or download it onto your iPad today. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. 
Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to look at some of the news headlines on our website, au.442.com. By far the biggest news of the week. <laughs> Not that you're biased, Brett Holman signs for the mighty Aston Villa. 27-year-old. Uh, it calls him a winger here, concerning that. Um, I'm very concerned by Alex McLeish's comments. Looking for, you know, signed him as a winger, wide, mid- wide midfielder. No. Uh, that's Heskey's position. Um, anyway, what do we think? Move to the Premier League for Brett? Well, one of many options, I understand, they had from, from the Premier League. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a brilliant move. I mean, it feels like in, in recent years it's been, um, you know, receding numbers of, of Aussies at... Playing regular at Premier League clubs. I mean, I suppose the question I'd have for you: Do you think he'll play regularly? That's the most important. I think the first the first couple of appearances are going to be pivotal because the Villa fans love a scapegoat, mm. um, and the only problem from Brett's and where he's been very smart or advised very well um, is I've seen him talk about the club and not the manager. Mm. You know, again today he said, "Signed for Aston Villa club, proud history of fantastic fans." He's on the right track with that, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the fans cannot stand Alex McLeish. And one of the problems that has already surfaced on the fan forums is that they see Brett Holman as symptomatic of where Aston Villa is now, i.e. a free transfer from a Dutch squad, you know, because obviously we're going through this culling of the wage bill and they're like, is this where, is this where we're at now? Is this where we're shopping? You know, Aussie player with you know no Premier League experience on a free transfer. You know, I'd point to Tim Cale and say, well, you know, mm. he was a million dollars and look where he looked from Millwall, look where he's gone to. You know, but but then there's a lot of people, you know, overwhelming reaction, which again is quite interesting. And we've talked about this, Trev, when you've done that feature with the mag with uh, what overseas fans think mm. was Brett who, mm. like probably three quarters of the, the fans didn't have a clue who he was. No. Well, they wouldn't do. I mean, yeah. the, the number of people that follow the area of the the World the Cup, wouldn't you? Yeah, but, you know, they're not going to... They've got very blinkered views of Australia and Australian football. And the same for the era I mean, there's just very, very little interest in Dutch football in the UK. So they're just not going to know who he is. I hope he's paid well, to be honest, because I can think of better places he should be going uh, than Aston Villa. I think he is going to be a scapegoat. Mate, Habib Bay was on 45 grand a week, so I reckon he's been paid well. Yeah. Free transfer as well, he's pumped up your weight a little bit. Uh, But uh, Holman is such an acquired taste. I mean, even in Australia, it's taken us years to to accept. It took the World Cup, really, didn't it? It it did, yeah. It took goals, basically. Mm. It took solid goals before we realised, oh, right, okay, he is actually doing something when he runs around like a headless chook. I hope that video, you remember the video someone made of him against uh, the Netherlands? My mate, JFC. (laughs) Oh, is that him? That lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I hope that doesn't stop doing the rounds. Have you seen that video? They they sort of, they were the best or the worst of Brett Holman versus the Netherlands, and it just cut together all these miscontrol and poor passing, and yeah, it was... Brett Lawman, as he was called. Well, I mean, I think think he'll get a chance, because I'm not convinced that you know, Villa's squad is going to look the same. I think there's a clear act to come. People like Heskey, do like you, Ireland, I'm not convinced they'll be there next season. But do you think Aston Villa's playing style will suit what Holman does? Do so I think Alex McLeish's playing style will yeah, suit well, Aston Villa's? Same thing Alex at McLeish's, the moment. Alex McLeish's, no. But, but the only thing that I would say is that 
his best position is playing just slightly withdrawn behind the full, the main forward. Yeah. And that when Robbie Keane came in and played for us, he got a lot of joy playing that way. And maybe he's seen that, but his quotes don't say that to me. His quotes think he says to me he thinks he's getting a winger. Yeah. Which just sums it up really. Uh, one I wonder if he's ever watched him play. <laughs> one thing Brett Holman does do well is that he you know, works very hard and he chases yeah, people. That that's very that's very popular in the English game. Absolutely. You know, so I mean, I, I hope he gets a chance, and um, I just hope he has a good first couple of games. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get on to the Oliroos, who finished their dismal <laughs> Olympics campaign with another nil-nil draw, meaning that they contributed a coconut. <laughs> Six games, no goals. Nine hours, no goals. Nine hours without a goal. Didn't we only cons- did you watch all nine hours on various feet? I think I probably did actually. Brilliant. And you know, I feel all much right, better story then. You were there last night. I, I was there. I went to to Gosford last night, and uh, yeah, it was a soul destroying experience. Uh, I mean, as I was saying before, there was probably about just over two and a half thousand people there. I don't think any of them wanted to be there, apart from the Iraqi fans. The fans didn't want to be there, the players didn't want to be there, the staff didn't want to be there, the press didn't want to be there, and least of all, I don't think Vidi wanted to be there. Uh, I spoke to him afterwards, and we had quite a confrontational, aggressive press conference between the two of us. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. um, And basically, the bottom line is, he has no answers. He didn't blame politics, did he? No, he didn't. He wouldn't blame anybody. Carbon tax? He, I, I think... Palmer may have got a mention somewhere. <coughs> um, pissants. <laughs> we we almost got onto the pissants level of confrontation, but then uh, the press conference was brought to a swift end. Was it I mean, just he, you and him in a room? I wouldn't imagine. Pretty much, that. pretty much. He then went outside into the corridor and started having an argument with an Iraqi journalist about who was hassling about why the uh, Oli Roos didn't stop play for the injured players. Um, at which point the door was closed on the press conference room. But he has no answers. He had no answers. He, he said there was lessons to be learnt from the campaign, and when asked what the, the lessons were, he didn't actually know. Uh, he said that it will take some time to digest. Uh, the issues with selection, he avoided the, the question by focusing on the selections for this game, which were uh, to try and develop an under-22 squad for the World Cup, but then pointed out that they really don't have many options for that. So... Not only are we had a dismal under-23s campaign, it looks like we're going to have a dismal under-22s World Cup as well. Um, we're in a world of problem, it's basically, this, ge- this generation. I mean, are the players that bad? No, this is what annoys me. This is the problem. He didn't have the chance to, to select his best players because FIFA rules prevented him from getting the international ones and the, FA, the FFA prevented him from getting the, all the best players from the A-League. That's his problem. That's what he needs to come out and say. But he's so cowed by the FFA presence that he won't say it. He's tied down by the politics within uh, the FFA. It is politics. It is politics. <laughs> yeah. it, it, for once, it actually is. You know, <coughs> he was denied his best squad. He needs to man up and actually come out and say that. Yeah, but the only even thing- with that, even with the three-player limit, Surely we've got to be able to score in nine hours. Oh, I think in addition to that, he also made some terrible selections. Uh, I mean, repeatedly relying on Hoffman, who's, you know, everybody knows he's just not developed the way that he, the the potential that he once showed. And he stopped developing years ago. 
All right, I mean, let's, let's, let's put another spin on this. Only conceded three goals? No. <laughs> do, we, do we overvalue the Olympics as a football tournament? Because one of the reasons why we all struggle to get probably our best under-23 players, because there are clubs in Europe who are like, you want to go where? You know, do we attach too much importance to it? I mean, it, it, what I'm concerned about is we're ringing the death knell for this generation of footballers saying, oh, oh the, the, the no, sky's coming in. No, where in actual fact, you could reel off yeah, 11 under-23 players that were never in a squad. I agree, and I think that's the point. That's that's what needs to be said, and nobody's actually coming out and saying. But are it. we over overestimating the importance <laughs> of the Olympics because of the Australian Olympics, sort of, you know, the love affair with the Olympics for other sports? I, I think we should try and challenge at all levels. And uh, is it a factor because for so long we were without a World Cup? Yes, uh, that absolutely. the Olympics became the yeah. World Cup, you know, and now we've got Olympics are a poor man's World Cup. If, yeah. that, that's a fair comment, and up until now, that's something that we've had to, to satisfy ourselves with. But we've established a pattern where we've uh, gone to every Olympics we've attempted to to, to uh, go to, and I think that's something we should continue to do. Uh, but it's not so much getting to the Olympics. It's the fact that we, as we said, we went six games, nine hours without scoring a single goal, without really threatening much at all. We scored two goals that were disallowed in Uzbekistan. And other than that, we weren't unfairly done by. You know, we, we were piss poor. You can't complain, can you? After not scoring for nine no. hours and say, you know, we're... we're... Uh, there's selection pro- problems, there's uh, coaching problems, there's tactical problems uh, that can be blamed. And there's also, you know, politics uh, involved as well. Um, but that's where the problem, I think, lies, uh, rather than not actually going to the Olympics and not being at the Olympics. Okay, well, there's that wrap-up. Um, let's see where we go from here. Um, Canberra, ready to join the A-League. <laughs> I'm sure Ado's got shares in this Canberra, <laughs> this Canberra bit. <laughs> uh, apparently there's been a meeting this week between uh, Ivan Slavich and uh, Ben Buckley. Um, prompted from uh, Frank Lowy's conversation uh, with Bozza on Fox Sports FC where uh, you know talked about Canberra being in the mix what do we think? Um, well a lot of people are, are pinning this Canberra bid on how the Socceroos attendances have gone um, during Canberra I can't quite remember what they've been they've not been amazing though have they when, no, the, so- when no. the Socceroos have played in Canberra um, we've not been blown away with the possibility there. I, I, I think their main argument seems to be that um, a country's capital should have a team, but that's not a very good argument if there's not many people in that capital and <laughs> they don't get players, you know, they don't get people to the game. Yeah, but it depends what your, your expectations are. If you're looking for a Melbourne victory type crowd, you're not going to get that. No. Ever. There's no chance of that. If you're looking for Sydney crowds, yeah, that should be maybe aspirational. Uh, but if you're looking for it to match. Uh, Newcastle Jets or Central Coast I think Canberra can do that mm. I, I, I think also you know we've also, it's not like it's the first they've got the W League exactly team, you know, it's been successful they've, and got they've great done, traction in Canberra they've done the groundwork yeah. you know, th- this is the model I think for what we should have been doing with expansion which is getting a youth team through the AIS going we've got the W League team going with great uh, reasonable success there too um, then we've got the community involved in soccer, in football. I mean, already. does the AIS become Canberra United's youth I, team? That's yeah, what would be the, the obvious anyway. thing for me to do, uh, for it to happen. Uh, and I think, you know, we're ready for 
uh, a team. It's it's a very very good option, I think, to fill that tenth spot. And then quickly. that gives Western Sydney another year to get things right. Exactly, because it's uh, too important for us to rush that one. For yeah, but by the same token, I, you know, we've, we've got to remember there's been a lot of work done on West Sydney already. Okay, it didn't actually get followed through, but there is the awareness. <laughs> It's not like it's in a totally fresh virgin territory. There's an awareness of football in the area. There's an awareness of the A-League in the area. There's an uh, awareness of the need for a team in the area and a willingness for the team in the area. There's community support for a team in the area. So going into Western Sydney in a short space of time isn't the same as suddenly opening a franchise in Gold Coast United and Gold Coast or uh, Townsville. It's not going to be a rush job in the same way. Uh, and I think we could, if need be, push one through and it still be a success. Okay. Um, no, eight, staying with Aidan, another one of his exclusives. Uh, Phil Stubbins, um, former Adelaide United uh, assistant coach, um, is now coaching in the Thai Premier League and uh, revealed that he was very close to signing Archie Thompson. Um, but it was, uh, he signed Paul Reid. Um, and tried to make it a double swoop on the A-League with uh, Thompson as well. So, Kev, this backs up your uh, earlier comments on the fact that we're going to see potentially some of the biggest names in Melbourne Victory's history out of the picture soon. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, th- there is a, a broom coming through that's going to sweep away some of the old guard uh, of Victory. I'm not actually convinced that Archie Thompson is necessarily one of the ones that should be going, to be honest. I'm a, a huge Archie Thompson fan. He's, he's, he's an absolute legend for Melbourne Victory. Arguably been one of their brightest lights this yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, he's had a shocking run of form in the late half of the season. Always, uh, you know, always gives everything, always gives 100%. Exactly. You know. And, you know, there was a reason Holger brought him back into the Socceroos squad, and it wasn't just a token appearance. It was the lift he gives the rest of the squad. We talked about it in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. He his enthusiasm on the field and the training pitch and everything else. You, you can't buy that. You know, that, that's the sort of thing. That clearly, you know, Police United couldn't buy it. Police uh, United. Who have... <laughs> Sting as their sponsor. Have you seen the name of their chairman? Yes. No, I do. This Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Warapong yeah. Chewbacca. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. I, I think the thing about Archie is that he's... You know, I'm, I'm a big Archie fan too, but I, I'd imagine he's, he's one of the bigger burdens on the wage bill. Uh, and if you're talking about a clear out and, and having some moving room to get in the players you need, he might be the type of player at his age that you'll need to move on to do that. Yeah, I would. I think you know, Danny also another you know victory stalwart had his time away and come back again. I think he's one that we could lose without losing too much sleep. And then the whole midfield and most of the defence can uh, exit. Have it's they got a midfield Melbourne? That's the thing, isn't it? They've just got loads of really good attacking players. In name, in name I think there's a few, but in practice not so much. Adama Traore has been signed by... Uh, Dundee. Apparently so. Yeah. Left back, uh, which is a fantastic pick-up for them. Uh, very, very good deal. Uh, very good signing. Uh, and if that's the kind of quality they're going to bring in, I think that's a really interesting direction for them. Uh, and fully endorse that. Okay, Trev, um, you caught up with uh, Alf Galustian, we both did this week, yeah. uh, head of Curver, um, who's been over doing a few things. Uh, he was doing some work with the FFA skill, skill acquisition coaches. Uh, then last weekend he did a, a free, two free skills workshops for um, coaches in the skill acquisition league, of which I was one. I was there on Saturday. Mm. Very informative it was too. Um, and then uh, he's been running our 
442 performance branded uh, curve coaching diploma down in Melbourne this week. Yeah. He was talking about A-League clubs and the need for academies to nurture that young talent. Yeah, he's, I mean, it's always a pleasure to, to catch up with Alf. The, the guy certainly knows his stuff. And, yeah, I mean, the, you know, one of the main points that came out of a conversation, he was saying that the model that works across Europe and the model that's historically worked for decades is, is clubs, professional clubs, having their own youth academies, um, primarily focusing on a, a 10-year plan between 7 and 17. Um, and he he's, you know, couldn't speak how important that would be for the A-League. The, the obvious problem is is money is about is, is about how you'd be able to fund these academies in principle I don't think you can argue and say it wouldn't be a good <coughs> idea it's just about of all the other problems we've got where would the money come for it but then with all the other academies that are out there taking serious cash off parents then well the Mariners have a have uh, I was this is only based on the forum comments I was reading below this story the Mariners do have an academy and I think they're saying it's about 1,100 a year or something so it, it would be possible as you say that there's parents that are doing it but then again isn't the point in the academies to identify the best young players and put them in not the ones that can afford to go into any youth academy yeah. Yes. So it's a bit of a can of worms at the moment, the, the cost of football for uh, youngsters and whether coaches should be paid to, to uh, coach under sixes, under eights and all the rest of it. And the cost off the fees, 1100 bucks is, is quite a lot. But, you know, can you buy talent? You can make it. But I mean, I mean on the cost issue, I mean, our, our kids, I coach in the New South Wales Skill Acquisition League, Sutherland, under 11s. They pay $990 for a 42-week program three times a week. It works out at $4.89 per session with us. See, I, I don't it's argue a, against the value for money, and I, I think it's a good idea, but forgive me, it's still a lot of money, though. If you've got it? a couple of kids as well, a couple We've of We've got a lot of our parents who said that they couldn't believe how cheap it was. For, for what they get. It's three, three nights a week and games every weekend. I'm sure, you know, I have no doubt at all that it's great value. Uh, in that sense, but it's still a lot of money. Mm. The top line is a big amount, big yeah, chunk of coin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you've got a girl, as one of the parents were telling me, it, it pales into insignificance between a, a, her daughter's um, dance music, dance intuition, and outfits and stuff. Yeah, oh, I know. Sure. I know it's it, true that, yeah. that we talk about it compared with the AFL and the NRL. Which both <laughs> massively subsidise their grassroots, but that, yeah, yeah, that's a complete change in the way that football's set up. Which coming onto that, how how important is getting proper coaching for crit- youngsters? Critical, absolutely critical. Um, you know, you wouldn't let you wouldn't let your kid get in a car with an unlicensed driver. You know, so I mean, of course, we're talking the spectrum between kickabout football, which is fine, but even at that level, I would say that. They should have at least done a grassroots certificate, which is three three hours, and it's free. There yeah. is no excuse for, for, for doing that. Um, but then as you go up, you know, and, and this is the thing, is that if if clubs or associations or the FFA are mandating certain levels of coach education to be in positions for advanced development or, you know, like what we call the elite programmes, and the cost of getting that, that education is significant. Then they need to start paying those coaches. Yeah, because and there's a you know like if you if you want to get to a sort of CB you know up to a B license level, that's a nine thousand dollar investment. Yeah, you know that unless the clubs are going to pay that, then you've got to you know you've got to expect that coaches that have invested in their education have the chance to get that back. I think. Yeah. So at the moment in 
your club, for instance, do coaches get any recompense at all? We get a small amount of expenses at the end of the season. Yeah. But it's not a... So the money that the, the kids are paying, where does that go? That goes into kits. I mean, they get a phenomenal amount of kit. <laughs> they get home strip, away strip, tracksuit, bag, ball, uh, spray jacket, so that, you know, sure. cap. It's like it's full on. Yeah. yeah. And then Sh- should we be giving them less kit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it goes into like you know the upkeep of the ground, the ground hire. We have referees and linesmen for every game. Just paying them. You know, so it, I don't, you know, it doesn't work out that bad when you think that they've, they've been trained three sessions a week and playing on every weekend. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. It, the, the cost will soon line up, I'm sure. All right, uh, Clive Palmer. Can't get away from him yet. Please, um, can we soon? Although it seems like he's got bigger fish to fry today with the uh, taking on the government and the carbon tax and the constitution. So maybe he'll, uh, maybe the, uh, but I can't see this going away anytime soon. Uh, he's now embarking on a national listening tour, um, which is one of it's one of those sort of, you know, I don't, Clive Palmer doesn't strike me as a great listener. Look, this has got nothing to do with improving football. <coughs> it's got nothing at all to do with the betterment of the game in the country. All this is is Clive Palmer saving face and making trouble for the football uh, for FFA. Uh, and he is going to carry on until he is paid to go away by them. That's all it is. It's nothing at all to improve football. And anybody who thinks it is is being a mug. Uh, the people that are saying, ah, he makes some good points. Yeah, people said that about Pauline Hansen as well when she first came into a prior interview. Just because people may make a few dog whistle comments that get the masses coming to the size doesn't mean that they're working for the betterment of football. Uh, and really, we need to let make this go away. Well, I mean, as I, I, I wrote a column recently, opinion piece for Ad News recently about this, and, and as I said, it's like even the people that are calling for a top-to-bottom rethink of football or an evaluation of football surely wouldn't choose Clive Palmer to lead it. Exactly. You know? And his track record in football is appalling. And the fact is that he's sort of manufactured this, so you're either with him or you're with the FFA. Yeah. And so many people are in between. Yeah. You know, certainly not with him, but certainly not with the FFA. And the danger is, is that we've now got two camps. You know, he's polarised the he's, team you know, FFA. He's polarised the issue very well, and it's a complete diversion and distraction away from the disaster of a, that he made of running Gold Coast United. Uh, and the contempt he showed for the players and the fans and the game. Uh, we can't forget that. Uh, this is all just a smokescreen to get away from that mismanagement that he ran. And, you know, there's players there that were, had their contracts torn up and are still owed hundreds of thousands of dollars who will probably never see that now because he's going to wind up the company and they'll have nothing left to sue. He's what, they've won the money fair and square in court uh, in the tribunal and he simply won't pay it uh, he is going to run he complains about the FFA wasting money he is about to waste millions by take, if he takes them to court in legal fees They're going all the money that we're investing that is being invested in football is instead going to be dis- diverted into lawyers uh, and fund their wage bill simply because he is hurt his ego has taken a 
bruising. It's a personal vendetta, isn't it? It is. He's, it's he's completely play, personal. playing out in public for this. You know, yeah. I, I was trying to explain Football Australia to, to someone the other day, and, I, and I've done a really bad job, not because I don't think um, I haven't been across what they're doing. It's just because I don't think they really know what they're doing yet. It, it's just an expensively backed lobby group, isn't it? Really, at, at the moment, they call it just you know, a hobby horse. It's a diversion, a distraction, a smokescreen. Uh, he is doing nothing good for football. There are issues with the FFA. He is not the man to raise them. He is not the man to pursue them. Okay. Why are we getting a job at Football Australia? Final, uh, <laughs> just final news, just on the uh, Football New South Wales New Skill Acquisition League. Sutherland Sharks uh, got off to a sparkling start to their season. Uh, the under-11s with a 6-2 win over Canterbury. Um I think we, we might be the only pod bringing new Southern Sharks <laughs> yeah. updates every week as well. Uh, fantastic game. Congratulations to the boys. All right, that is it for part two, an elongated part two, but plenty to get through. We'll be back in part three to do a quick whistle-stop tour of the Premier League and the UEFA Champions League. Aside from a better night's sleep for both you and your partner, there are so many other benefits to treating your snoring. For example, did you know that snoring makes you produce excess cortisol, which slows your metabolism? So if you snore for a prolonged period, you may find you gain weight easily. Snoring is also a sign your body is getting a little less oxygen, and reduced oxygen in blood can contribute to arterial plaque buildup. These are just a couple of reasons why it's a good idea to try a mandibular split from Instantly Stop Snoring. 1-800-991-259. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to part three of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are going to turn our attention to UEFA Champions League, uh, where the quarter finalists were uh, decided today. Chelsea, they said it was all over, but it wasn't. 4 1 victory over Napoli after extra time. Um, Scorers of the first three goals Drogba. Terry, Terry Lampard. Yeah. Who said English managers were rubbish? <laughs> John Terry's just got Chelsea to the quarterfinals. Yeah, that little tactical shout out he was doing at the end as well was was incredible. And <clears throat> um, yeah, first thing to say, I don't think it was ever like a, a complete mission impossible. Some people called it. I mean, a two 0 yeah, result, yeah, two 0 result would have put Chelsea through at home um, with the sort of players they've got. But I think the thing was that everybody knew that Napoli would score. Yeah, well, I mean, so th- they knew that Chelsea had to get four. So that that was the question, I think. Yeah, but I mean, which they did, and and I, th- I think everyone went overboard on on Napoli the previous you know game when they when they managed to beat Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea took the lead in that game, and you know Napoli fought back well, but it. It, I mean, I suppose it's a hell of an achievement for Chelsea to get through at that point, but not the biggest surprise I've ever, <laughs> I've ever known in you know Champions League results, um, and, and that keeps a little bit of English interest in there as well, um, especially for Chelsea who currently are looking like they've got their work cut out to make the top four in the Premier League. Um, I'm not sure how far they'll go. They'll, they'll probably go as far as until they meet Barcelona or Real Madrid. Um, is is the, the best they can hope for. Okay. Um... AVB, Kev must be must have been you know turning in his Japanese style pod thing. It was interesting <laughs> seeing the effect that uh, Dematteo has had since he came in. Uh, he's just reverted to playing tried and trusted. Well, apparently the, he's as unpopular as um, Phyllis Boas with the players. That was the word from inside the camp. Really? Oh, right. um, 
But maybe that's it. Maybe he's just gone, you know what, I'll just stand on the touchline, you run it. Yeah, I'll wear the suit, you, you do the stuff. Uh, but that's sort of, you know, that's hiding the real issue, isn't it? You know, Phyllis Boas was brought in to overhaul that squad. Yes. Instead, the squad overhauled him. Yeah. But somebody's got to do that. Yeah. Because John Terry, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba can't keep playing at the level that they're playing at forever. No. Uh, the thing is, though, I don't think AVB was, had the authority with the players to be able to do that. Uh, it needs, when you're coming in, you're going to tackle a big thing like that with such big personalities. You've got to be bigger than them. Uh, and you've got to have the, the proven track record, not just with one club doing very, very well with that one club, but you've got to have more of a track record to, uh, to overcome uh, those kind of personalities. So it's going to take a bigger man. Uh, to and come that, in and do that. And, and that's why they want the current Real Madrid manager, because that's exactly his personality, isn't it? Exactly, that's, yeah. That's what he's especially stat is dealing with egos, which is why he's a good modern manager. Yeah. But okay. I don't think he'll go for I don't think it's that appealing uh, an option for him, really, at the minute. Not really. I mean, yeah, and you sort of think that, let's say, they, I mean, I don't think they will, but let's say they won it this year, then yeah. I don't think Mourinho would want to go back there. I mean, no, the only reason no. Mourinho would want to go back would be to deliver him the European Cup and go, there you go. Yeah, exactly. There's your yeah. full set. Um, all right, on Mourinho, Madrid for Sesca Moscow won. Uh, so qualified comfortably after a tricky away leg. A um, couple of sevens <laughs> registered in this yeah. Champions League, I guess. Is that a signal that this was probably a weaker Champions League last 16? Um, Bayern Munich, seven. FC Basel, nil. Chippers, thankfully, missed out on that one. Good game to miss. Uh, Inter tweeting pictures of him half naked in the laundry. Really? Did you not see that one no. last week? No. Some very interesting pictures of himself half naked. In fact, fully naked, but luckily, picture from the waist up uh, of himself in the laundry. Uh, there you go. If you fancy some sexting from yes, <laughs> Scott Chipperfield, follow him on follow him on impressive Twitter. Impressive physique for a man of his age. Oh, was that what he was showing off? I think so. Yeah. Right. So you know, it's, it's just like the guys. Are, they go up, up the gym the whole winter and then the first day of summer, top off. <laughs> go, look what I've done. I thought about doing that a couple of times. No. <laughs> um, Marseille, probably uh, the upset. Um, well, two upsets. Uh, Marseille uh, got the away goal they needed. Uh, lost 2-1 to Inter uh, in the second leg but went three on away goals. Um, goes from bad to worse for Ranieri at Inter. Can't see him... Start, I, mean, I think it'll last the season now, but not longer than yeah. that. I mean, Somebody the, else coming in over yeah. the summer. ABB. <laughs> the size of the jobs he's had in recent years, you know, the, the Chelsea, the Roma, the Inter, you know, he's had some huge, huge jobs, and he's obviously a really nice guy, but... Cracking agent. Oh, yeah, I, I wonder how much... Before, yeah, I wonder how much before it ends up being like Svengor and Eriksson and you end up at getting fired from Leicester. You know, like... Or get an England job. Yeah. Have you seen Sven's bank balance? Yeah. I would quite happily take being fired by Leicester or Notts County. <coughs> yeah, I mean... And Man City. But yeah, I don't think he's... You know, I mean, Ericsson's not going to get a big, big job again, though, is he, really? I wouldn't think. Ericsson's off retiring age, and he's been with Ulrika Johnston. <laughs> I know. I'd, he could die tomorrow and be a very, very, very happy man. I, I don't deny that Svingor and Ericsson has got money. That that wasn't my point. But the, the point was that you keep getting big jobs until they run out and you can't get land a big job anymore. It doesn't matter financially, but you know, I'm talking pure reputation-wise. You'll only get so far, and Ranieri's got that far, I think. It's a bit of a George Best, where did it all go wrong situation, <laughs> isn't it? All right, uh, big news is in Cyprus, where uh, Apple Nicosia progressed at the expense of uh, Lyon 
on penalties. Fantastic result for uh, for a little Cypriot team. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, no one expected them to be in the knockout stage. Quarterfinals. No one expected them to be in the quarterfinals. Or a Sicilian team if you watch CNN. <laughs> <laughs> Showed a graphic of them just off the boot of Italy. Um, I'd, I'd love that, to be fair to them, they'll be the team that um, everyone's going to want to try and draw. But I hope they get Barca or Real Madrid. Not to see them get smashed, but just so they can enjoy playing at the New Campbell Bernabeu. Uh, on Barca, 7-1 win over Leverkusen. Five goals for Lionel Messi. So we're getting a good ball in there, Nick. It's another five. Backed it up with two at the weekend. Whatever. How, how does he do that? You, you know, we talk about him being a, like a FIFA player, like a PlayStation player. But he does things on there that there's not buttons for. You know, these <laughs> mental chips that he does. How does he just done the Yeah, but he, he arcs it up and back L1. down. Yeah, yeah, that's chip. L1, isn't it? That's lob, but not to that extent. Not, not, not to that sort of up and down again. It's and the thing is about when you're one on one with the keeper, he makes the keeper look so stupid for lobbing him. But if he doesn't do that, he waits long enough and passes it past him anyway. So <laughs> you've almost got no chance. Yeah. You know when you go to training, the guy comes on with a big kit bag full of the balls. Yeah. That must be what he, his bloody house is like, because he must have all these match balls from all his hat tricks. About 14 or something. Had. Just so something stupid I read about them. But I mean, to be 24 and be five goals off being Barcelona's greatest ever goal scorer. So you, you've done something right. And the thing with him is, like, you know, you don't see any sort of chinks in the armour. No. You know, you, he's Where's never that? in any controversy. He's never, you know, he obviously not out partying or drinking no. or womanising. So, you know, he could play like this for the next 10, 12 years. And he's a poster boy for short horses. Yeah. yeah. You know. Exactly, yeah. Everybody goes on about you've got to be big, tall, strong. We do it all the time in Australia. You've got to be big, tall, strong, lad. No, short horse. Yeah. I mean, if you can't you can't knock him out. I mean, centre of gravity is even harder. I mean, completed dribbles, 282 last year. But interesting, I use, I use his stats with my kids that I coach as well because he also leads the league in unsuccessful dribbles. Oh, really? Yeah. So he tries more than anyone else and yeah. fails more than anyone else, but succeeds more than anyone else. Scores more Robert than anyone else. Thing, sets isn't it? up more than anyone else. Try, yeah. try, and try, try again. You know, and a lot of people don't sort of pick up on that stat. That, yeah. You know, you, every, when you're that positive a player, mm. of course you're not going to do it every time. You know, yeah. but we we think that every time he dribbles, he goes past someone and scores, but. The thing that isn't really starting to annoy me at the moment is the constant debates about, is he better than Pelly? Is he better than Maradona? And people constantly saying, no, no, he's not done enough. Why do we bother wasting our time arguing about that? Sit back and just enjoy it. You know, yeah. We're seeing something very, very special. And I think the that's the thing. You have to, you know, I'm really making an effort to watch Barcelona, you know, watching the early morning La Liga games and stuff because there's a feeling like I'm going to be asked about Messi in 30, 40 years' time. Did yeah. you get to get to see him? out the window, mate. What Can't call it work anymore. Nah, she's not. She, she, <laughs> just working like turning down to what's for. But Trev, you're working in financial services magazines now. Oh no. Yeah, but the the, the, the Zurich's one of their biggest sponsors. <laughs> you won't be able to uh, you won't be able to claim the old Foxtel on your uh, tax deductions either anymore. What do you mean, Sky Business News? Business Channel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, rounding out the eight in the quarterfinals are AC Milan, who has the, uh, progressed, although uh, not without a scare at the Emirates, and Benfica, who uh, came from 3-2 down the first leg to win 2-0 at home, and progressed at the expense of Zenit. So, quarterfinals, the draw for which is tomorrow. 
where they draw the quarterfinals and the semi-finals. So everyone will know their path to the final um, is Chelsea, which is uh, Allianz Arena this year, isn't it? Bayern yeah, Munich, yeah. 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 Um, so it's Chelsea, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Marseille, Apple Nicosia, Barcelona, AC Milan, and Benfica. Well, there's three teams that stick out, and I suppose it's when 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 are Real Madrid and Barcelona going to face each other, and the fact that Real Madrid just cannot seem to beat Barcelona <laughs> regardless. Okay, all right. Let's turn our attention to the Premier League. Um, another round of games last weekend. Uh, where we saw the lead in the Premier League change hands. Man United go, where are we? One point clear after uh, Man City went down 1-0 to Swansea. Swansea claim another big scalp at their home ground. It's a bit of a year, actually, for league leaders throwing it away. I can see it happening with us, with the Mariners. <clears throat> happened in Scotland with Rangers and Celtic overtaking them. Rangers all the big leagues. And yeah, Rangers yeah. was incredible though, wasn't it? Oh, it was, was such a qu- sharp turnaround. <laughs> <coughs> complete implosion. And, and, and Man City, who are uh, at, you know really woeful away from and considering, and they've won seven on their travels compared to you know Man U's ten. They've got tricky games like away to Stoke, and I think they might even go away to Arsenal or away to Newcastle as well before the end of the season. That's what's going to make the difference. They've got a harder run in, no doubt. They've got a harder run in the menu. It's uh, it's been an odd demise, a fall for Man City because you know there's no denying the strength in their squad, uh, and they've been rotated. They should be fresh. Uh, to lose silly games like uh, this one against Swansea. This uh, has been coming. I mean, even though they've won, I think they've won their previous six. Like I went to see them live three, four weeks ago when I was back in the UK against Villa and Villa were awful and they weren't much better. It was 1-0, mm. you know. And Villa only threw the kitchen sink at them in the last five minutes and could have had an equaliser but for Joe Hart's amazing stuff from save, Ben. It, yeah. um, you know, so I think this has been coming. They've not been playing well for a while, you know, and it's really their home form. You know, they've won all 14 games at home. That is key in there. But when you say that, they've gone and lost at Swansea. Arsenal have lost at Swansea. Swansea have got one of the best home records in the league um, in terms of you know goals conceded at home. Um, you know, so I think are we reading too much into it? They've lost one game and won the last six. Well, no, because I don't think they've been great away from home for quite a long period. Their their, their home form is incredible. I mean, perfect. The fourteen wins, no draws, no losses. It, it's on the road that's the problem, and and Manchester United are, are proving better. At, grinding out results like the Tottenham game that Manchester United won and perhaps for long periods they weren't the better side but they found a way of winning the game um, and yeah that, that's a problem but they've still got a host Man U um, and Mancini's already talked about how important that game will be and he seemed to talk it up as that's going to decide the title but despite what they did to Man U at Old Trafford Man U did go to um, did go to City and win in the cup so you couldn't you couldn't rule them out going and do that again um, and also, you don't, you don't want to be at this stage of the season, and you do want to be at this stage of the season in the title race. But do you really want to be against Fergie's Manchester United? Because how many times have we seen Fergie oversee this sort of period oh, and, yeah. and get them through yeah. to the title? Well, there's nine games to go, uh, ten games to go. Sorry. Um, so I mean, still all to play for. It's a point. Um, obviously, Man United went point clear thanks to their win at home to West Brom. Other key results, Spurs uh, lost their third game on the bounce, um, which when coupled with Arsenal's win on 
last minute, well, third minute of injury time, winner at home to Newcastle on Monday night, shorten that gap to a point. Yeah. It only seems like a couple of weeks ago it was 10 points and Spurs were getting mind the gap t-shirts done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, with, with Chelsea coming through strong as well, um, you know, Tottenham might... I still think Tottenham would be top four. I can't see them dropping out, but... Yeah, no, it's it's tightened up remarkably quickly uh, in those, this third to uh, fifth position. Um, but Spurs still done very well, but you can see Redknapp's a number of days I go through PA to uh, put it on the website and Redknapp's coming out talking again about the England job. Bringing uh, skulls out of time and I was thinking, hang on, he's not even the manager. <laughs> it's doing so many England bloody press conferences for a man who's... Uh, you know, really should have his mind on other things at this and time. And not be approached yet. Exactly. Right, yeah. If we believe that. Yeah. I think he could have stand that. He just said, "Well, look, I know you're going to constantly ask me about England, but I'm not answering any questions." Well, apparently, the FA, like FA have sent a letter out to all journalists in the UK asking them not to speculate or bring it up at press conferences. That's not going to make any difference, is it? No, no, they can't they're totally ignore it, obviously. <laughs> but you know, they've they said that. Encourage you know, them. <laughs> Um, what else? I mean, uh, Newcastle obviously lost at Arsenal, but are still in the mix um, potentially for a, for a Europa League spot. Liverpool season for Newcastle, it really is. Liverpool uh, big win over Everton. Strange team selection from David Moyes. Obviously resting people with a view to uh, to the FA Cup game. Yeah, I found the, the reaction to that quite surprising, to be honest, because. Everton have been punching above their weight. Moyes has been with Everton for 10 years, and I reckon they've probably been punching above their weight for every one of those 10 years. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not good for them to get beaten 3-0 by Liverpool. Yeah, but I think, it, realistically speaking, can you see any other way? Absolutely. I, I think if it had been against any other team, they wouldn't have registered a whimper. But no. I think the fans are just disappointed. It, that they it's obviously disappointed to, to lose a, to Liverpool, to a derby. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's men and boys in terms of squad, size, depth, Money wage. spent. Yeah. Well, it has enough. I think the stat was Moyes has spent in 10 years what Dalglish has spent in the last year. Hmm. Yeah, it you wouldn't know, surprise so. me in the slightest. Yeah. David Moyes is the most successful manager in the Premier League on a pounds per point basis. Oh, I can mm. believe it, without a doubt. But would his abilities translate to any other club yeah, above them? That's the, big, them. that's the big one, you know. Is, is how would he manage with a lot of money to spend and yeah. much bigger egos and all of the issues that come with a much bigger squad and a better paid Expectations squad. Expectations you know, like change. Man City and trying to manage Tevez Aguero and, and those sort of characters. Yeah. He, he's got a team squad built in his own sort of image there, yeah. you know. But those sort of players are not the players that win you the Premier League. They're players that get you to sixth. The yeah. only bigger job I can see him doing is a national team boss, where you know, again, he's limited in his selections, and it's down to, you know, motivation and uh, tactics. Maybe Scotland go. I that's the only job I can see him going to, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, the only one of the top four that I think that he could potentially do because of who he is and where he's from and his style would be Man United, because they mm. are used to that, they have that, and if he inherited. Fergie's sort of position with he's never going to have all of the authority that Ferguson's had but a lot of that sort of you know that sort of patriarch of the club potentially with Fergie as a you know sitting there as an advisor mm. and he just kept that level of discipline that Ferguson's had 
at Man United and kept it going, then I think that you could possibly do that. Yeah. I just can't see him at a Chelsea or a I can't, I can't see the Glazers ever going for that, though, to be honest. I mean, they're going to go for somebody with a bit more glamour to them, I think. I think I'm not saying you're wrong. I think you're absolutely right. I think he would do a reasonable job, but I just don't ever see that happening. Yeah. Okay, at the bottom, where it was getting interesting, uh, the big losers, Wolves, uh, Wigan, you'd say, a draw, probably no good for them. They need to start winning games. Uh, we've got Wigan on the bottom on 21 points, Wolves on 22, QPR on 22, Bolton on 23, Blackburn uh, now in 16th on 25, Villa on 33. You'd say that probably safe now. You would hope. We'll win in a couple of draws. We'll and win against Fulham, but oh my God, is it a, one of the ugliest goals you'll ever see to win a game <laughs> in the 93rd minute? Head stumbled over the line with it, just about avoiding handballing it. But there we go. Um, I mean, Wolves must be looking back with a great deal of satisfaction at sacking Mick McCarthy when they did. <laughs> yeah. Discuss. Well, yeah. I mean, look, at home, home to Blackburn. Staying in the Premier League is not about beating top teams. It's about beating the teams around you. And when you've got home to Blackburn, um, you need you need to be winning it. I mean, you can't be accepting a draw to, to lose two 0 I just find it incredible that Blackburn are out of the bottom three and find themselves in sixteenth. I just from day one, I thought that they were nailed on for relegation. And QPR. I mean, QPR. I mean, like, I must admit. I love Mark Hughes as a player. I used to really like him. I think it's because he used to play a bit like me. You know, it's like, but I can't stand him as a manager. <laughs> I just think he just looks so like smug all the time, and you know, like just like just narky and nasty. I know that was what I liked about him as a player, but as a manager, I just think the whole Martin Yole thing where he had a bust up with him over shaking his hand. And Palmy would love him to go down, actually. You know, yeah. having left Fulham saying that they didn't match his his ambition, to then yeah. take the QPR job, spunk a load of money in the January transfer window, and then go down. Yeah. The only hope would be would be that you know that he, he ended up having to stay there. And part of the reason, part of the I was reading this week is that QPR would be in an awful lot of trouble if they went down because um, not a lot. I don't think hardly any of their players are on sort of contracts to to legislate for that. A lot of clubs now, when you go in, you will have a two-tier contract. Right, yeah. And it says, you accept this with, if we're in the Premier League, and you, you are signed to accept this level of wages if we, if you, if we find ourselves in the Championship. Right. Um, and that's where a lot of clubs get into trouble, is when they get relegated and they don't have those still contracts. huge wage Everyone's rate. still on the, the big Premier League wages and they don't want to leave. Yeah. And no one wants them because they've just been relegated. And the club's stuck with this massive wage bill and all of a sudden a $30, $40 million hole in their budget. Six times the income for a Premier League club compared to a championship club, apparently. Yeah. Uh, a huge gulf in difference. I th- but having said that, I don't think QPR deserve necessarily to go down. I quite like them to stay up because I would quite like to see all three promoted teams stay up for once. Yeah. I and I think, you know, more interesting. Blackburn, you know, does, the fans don't deserve to see them go down, but... Jesus, the club deserves to go down. Uh, the way the, the, the chairman has treated the club. Yakubu's having a marvellous season. He's a great sleeper if you've uh, got a fancy football team. Just keeps notching up the points. Everything seems to go through him. Uh, and it's almost single-handedly saving the club as a result. We're getting into that part of the season where we've got that middle band of teams that don't really have anything to play for. Um, 
you know, so the Fulham, Swansea, Swansea and Norwich, just a quick word about them. Great performance from both of them, both on the same points um, in different ways. But again, with Swansea's win over Man City, um, it wasn't a fluke. They did it in the right way, just the same as beating Arsenal there. Um, so credit to uh, to both young managers there, uh, Brendan Rodgers and, um, and Paul Lambert, who have done exceptionally well their first tilts at the Premier League. All right, Trev, do you want to do a quick wrap-up of... Uh, bo- Top of the championship? No, no, no. Come really. on. <laughs> no, not really. You yes. always wanted to go into it when you were top. <laughs> well, we'll Where win are our, you now? If we win our game in hand, we'll, um, or even if we draw our game in hand, we'll go back into the, the top two. But yeah, it's Southampton and Reading at the moment. Reading, incredible form. They won eight on the trot. They drew against Doncaster last week, but they're, they're, yeah, they... And the player of the month for yeah. me, championship doing player awesome. of the month. You know, doing really well. I mean... B- b- West Ham in third, um, but sort of Middlesbrough, Brighton and Hull below him. It, it looks like it'd be two from three if the Southampton ridden to West Ham. But there's a real curse, you know, West Ham are currently third. There's a real playoff curse that the team that, you know, the team that goes well all season in the top <coughs> slips just down into third, normally crashes straight back out of the playoffs. It's the team that has the momentum, you know, going forward that makes the difference. But uh, our game in hands um, against Peterborough and we pick up a draw and we're back in the top two. So still confident. Okay. All right. Well, let's hope that... Um Adam Federici, and uh, there's a couple of the younger lads also at Reddit, didn't there? Alistair Edwards. Probably. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. They're trying to get Rogic as well, didn't they? So yeah. All right, that's it for part three. We'll be back uh, for a very short part four where we'll just preview quickly this week's A-League uh, round 24. The April issue of 442 Magazine is on sale now. It's a special edition on the toughest job in football, the coach. We profile 40 years of Socceroo coaches, analyse Man United 70-year-old Alex Ferguson, take the FFA, AFC B licence coaching course, plus Archie Thompson and Mark Milligan model the new Socceroos away jersey. 442 Magazine. Get it at newsstands or download it onto your iPad today. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at uh, round 24 in the A-League and uh, give our verdicts and our tips on what we think is going to happen. Kicks off in Melbourne uh, tomorrow evening, 8 o'clock. Melbourne victory at home to Wellington Phoenix. Obviously, Melbourne playing for pride. Phoenix playing for a lot more. How do we fit going? Uh, well, I'm going to really go on a limb and say draw for a Melbourne victory home game. Um, yeah, look, I mean, they've still got enough quality in there to, to trouble teams at home, but I, I cannot back them. Um, so I think they'll, they'll pick up a... A point. I wonder what the crowd will be like. I wonder what the atmosphere will be like there. You know, considering this is the team that's that's got used to a lot of success to to be in a situation where you're home to Wellington, not that sure that you're going to be able to hold on for a draw with that team. It will be interesting to see. Sportingbet.com.au. Kev have the draw at three dollars forty. Melbourne victory two dollars forty, and Wellington two dollars eighty. So have Wellington just slight outsiders. Actually, uh, it's not quite giving money or free money away, but I would. Do they ever? I keep hoping. Occasionally, occasionally they get it wrong, but uh, no, I think Phoenix. I can see Phoenix winning that. Uh, at the moment, you've got victory with uh, nothing to play for. Dispirited team that's probably just about to be broken up, uh, and I think they'll know that Majorton's mind's made up already about who he wants to keep and who he doesn't want to keep and they'll nothing they do tomorrow night will change that 
so now I reckon Phoenix can walk away with that one. Uh, three points in the bag. That'll be a very, very important three points for them too. Okay. In a wonderful season. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tip a victory win. They're going to come out fighting. They're going to come out fighting. They're going to say they're going to get the right at Red Two. It's going to be like, right, you're all playing for contracts. Everything's up for up for grabs. Go out and prove that you can still do it. Mariners at home to Adelaide. Critical match for the Mariners. This have to get a win here. I mean, SportingBet.com.au got this very heavily um, favouring the Mariners. Dollar fifty-three. The Mariners six dollars fifty. Adelaide. Three dollars eighty-five. The draw, Kev. Ooh, I like the draw. The draw, three dollars eighty-five. That's good value. I reckon I'm gonna. Uh, that's gonna get at least fifty cents of my money. Yeah, I mean, you're, if you're so confident about these, just wrap it up in a multi, mate. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that well. Into well. into the draw. <laughs> no, no. Number of times, number of times that somebody be, in the last 12. minute stuffs up. What to do? You put the money on the first one. If it comes in, great. Then stick it on yeah, the second there one. There you go. Like, oh, no. But the thing is, there's the calculator, isn't it? You go, what if I added that to go? And then it comes out, it's massive. Oh, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Look, I've got then, a huge, I've got 50 to 1. Yeah, that's when you start buying a new car online. <laughs> Trev. Yeah, never make that Kev's stick on again. The, Kev's on the draw. What are you on? No, I'm going to go to the Mariners. I think, um, you know, Adelaide have... Um, I don't know, that shown sort of sparks of improvement here and there. I mean, the great Champions League result. Um, I thought the Brisbane result probably flattered them a little bit. They should, they should have got hammered. Um, and I, I think the Mariners will realise how important this. I don't think the Mariners will blow us away. I don't think they'll impress us, but I think they'll grind out a 1-0. What do you reckon is going to happen to Adelaide, though, for next season? Do you think Kazmina's still going to be there? And if not, who's going to take over? Because that's going to be a massive offseason. Honestly, for can't it. think of anyone that springs to mind to uh, walk into that job apart from Phil Stubbins. And well, he's yeah, he's I mean, gone to Thailand. It's going to be a massive offseason because you've got Victory, who at the moment are coachless and a massive overhaul needed. You've got Adelaide. You've got uh, Melbourne Heart. You've yep. got Sydney. And you've got a another team potentially to replace the Gold Coast. That's a hell of a lot of owners. Yeah. Boards looking for coaches and potentially looking for players. Yeah, strange. So, at least that keep us busy. And potentially Central Coast Mariners if things go to plan, as my betting slip says. <laughs> what betting slip? <laughs> Arnie to Sydney. Thirteen dollars I got on that. But they they put up the prices. The part and then obviously they hadn't heard that you know there was there was big links between you know Arnie going so some people I, I wasn't quick enough because I tried to register online Kev got on the phone got it 13 to 1 came straight straight into 3 to 1 or something didn't yeah, it 4 yeah. to 1 brilliant yeah alright uh, Newcastle host Brisbane Raw Brisbane need a win Newcastle need a win this is when it gets interesting um, obviously Newcastle need a win to try and stave off uh, Sydney and Melbourne Heart who uh, play each other um, so if that game was to end up a draw, Newcastle could do themselves a real favour by beating Brisbane. Obviously, Brisbane need a win to uh, retain hopes of uh, retaining the, um, the Premier's plate. How do you see it? Bookies, sportingbet.com, you cannot split this. No, I can't. $2.60 Newcastle, $2.60 Brisbane. $3.40 the draw. Mm, I, I mean, I was just thinking this is an incredibly hard game to call because yep. the Jets have been great at home, but then last week, you know, they scraped a draw against Skarko. Brisbane are Brisbane, um, but at the same time, that you know, they've had sort of, you know, mini stumbles for 
I'm going to say draw, but I'm going to say draw because I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. It could go, I agree, it could go either way quite Which way is it going to go? That's why you're on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they they both have the same as good motivation uh, to win this. They both have come into form at the right time. Um, Either side could walk away with the points, but I'll go for the draw as well. I'm going Brisbane. With confidence. Brisbane uh, Melbourne Hearts Sydney massive game absolutely massive game this uh, Amy Park Saturday night 7.45 beautiful and especially as you know what they'll know about at this point how, how the Jets got on against Brisbane I mean Hart can easily slip out of the well the, sorry easily they will slip out of the finals position if everything's gone wrong for them in, in, in that case I, I think this will be another draw I think it'll be edgy you know Neither team being able to afford to lose. I think Sydney um, might have to go for it through the final stages, but it'll be a draw. Sportingbet.com, there you have the draw at $3.40, Trev. Yep. Sydney, $2.90. Hart, $2.35. Kev. Yeah, I, with Sydney, I, I'm not going to tip them on the basis of them being a better team necessarily, but I do think they might get the win. They've, they've really unimpressed me all season, to be honest. But I think they have more quality in this side that if, with the motivation they've got for this game, they can pull off a win here. So I I think they're going to get it. I think Hart have just been a bit too complacent for the last couple of months. uh, And I haven't seen that drive and determination to, to seal their place in the finals enough. Whereas Sydney are still desperate and kicking. Uh, and they have the quality, even though they've gotten underwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, these are the games where you look to your experienced players, your Emmertons, Carls, Boschartz, Beecham, those yeah. sort of players to step up and sort of make that experience count. And Hart have got a quite a, you know, a young squad around a few sort of older heads like Bolton and Fred. But, yeah. you know, this is where you hope that that experience sort of pays for Sydney. Yeah, I can, I can see them coming away with the points. And these are two teams that at times during the season have looked like a good striker short of being a very good side. Um, so it could be a case of a hatful of missed chances and whoever manages to take them will win. OK. Uh, Rand finishes in the Gold Coast on uh, Sunday with uh, Gold Coast at home to Perth Glory. Gold Coast obviously pretty much confirmed as wooden spooners, I think, now. Um, Perth Glory, everything to play for. Still hopes of uh, sneaking in, Stephen Bradbury style, uh, to a top two finish and a chance of hosting a grand final. Yeah. Um, Thoughts? Perth. I'm going to go Perth, yeah. I, I, like Gold Coast have done in recent weeks, or like Gold Coast have done all season, they'll, they'll give a reasonable account of themselves, but yeah, Perth. Perth paying $2.05, Gold Coast $3.50, and the draw $3.40. Trev. Um, Kev, I'm, I'm what's Kev. getting you from? Yeah. <laughs> are quite similar, though, Trev and Kev. <laughs> It's a wonder we've not had that mistake before. Um, no, I'm going Perth as well. I don't think Gold Coast will uh, provide anything in, uh, to to stop Perth. Perth have also got the motivation. Uh, Gold Coast don't. Um, it's Gold Coast penultimate game, uh, Ever. potentially. Yep. Uh, so hopefully there'll be something approaching a crowd to to see them off. I'm just working out what your multi would be if you rolled all your predictions into one. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there. I've done that. If you gave us all of broken, your money. <laughs> broken so many times by one stupid mistake by somebody in the final minute. All right. That is it. 
you can join in next week where uh, I think it will just be me and Kev uh, and we can laugh at how bad our predictions were. But that is it for uh, round 26. This is of the A-League. It's week Week, week 23. Week 24, round 26. So 24, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it says on the uh, printout I've got here. Would that printout lie? Can't speak, can't lie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Trev. Yes. Thanks for everything, mate. No worries. It's been an era. <laughs> yeah, 100. The Trahan era. 141 shows. 141 shows. How many issues of the mag you worked on? I don't know. Talking about that. Quite a few. You'll be, oh, your last but one. They're working on the issue at the moment. That will be your last one. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm hoping to get that finished today. Fantastic. Hopefully. All right, Kev, thanks for joining us. See you next week. Uh, get you. out and enjoy your football. The uh, A-League is hotting up, so make sure you don't miss any action. And we'll be back next week. Cheers. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.